Alrighty. Good morning. Testing one, two, three, four. Sound okay so far? Good. Hey, very good. Thanks. Well, here we go. We're going to, this is our second to last meeting on Sisyphus. <laughs> Feels like we've been rolling that rock up the hill for a long time. <laughs> so, uh, two more meetings today and next Wednesday, and then we'll take a little break on Wednesday classes and come back. Um, and uh, I think it's, I don't know, I'm guessing it dates. Yeah, September 8th, I think, Osmani does, starts doing the lessons at 10 a.m. Not just her, <laughs> a whole lot of people, but yeah, she starts, she brings it back with a bang. <laughs> uh that's on september 8th but anyway two more two more classes on this book sisyphus and um from futility to happiness and uh yeah it's all on the website <laughs> we have to check it every morning <laughs> lynn started doing exercise class five minutes ago and i said well you know <laughs> there's a there's a there's a morning class in like five minutes. <laughs> oh, she's like, oh no. <laughs> so anyway, we all do that. <laughs> um, well, some of us do anyway. So let's uh let's actually read some course um, and then do a little meditation. I'm on in the text. I'm on page six fifty three, chapter thirty one, section four, the real alternative. The section Ken's going to talk about in. Um, from futility to happiness. And uh, we'll read uh, paragraph three through eight, um, kind of preface for uh, opening meditation. And then we'll actually do today's uh, lesson as an opening meditation. But anyway, on page 653 in the text, um, paragraph three, go across the top. Um, Stephen, if you would read three, Lisa Roberts, four, uh, Chris Jansen, five, uh, Dave Van Dyke, six, Myra, seven, Lynn Altman, eight. Everybody got their paragraph. <laughs> All right. And no comments, just we'll read them. And then we'll, Ken discusses all this stuff later. So we'll just read through it right now. And then, uh, and then, um, we'll move towards uh, a meditation and I'll announce that when we get to it. So if that's not too complicated, go ahead, Stephen. <laughs> Paragraph three, there is no choice where every end is sure. Perhaps you would prefer to try them all before you really learn they are but one. The roads this world can offer seem to be quite large in number, but the time must come when everyone begins to see how like they are to one another. Men have died on seeing this because they saw no way except the pathway offered by the world. And learning they led nowhere, lost their hope. And yet this was the time they could have learned their greatest lesson. All must reach this point and go beyond it. It is true indeed, there is no choice at all within the world, but this is not the lesson in itself. The lesson has a purpose, and in this, you come to understand what it is for. You're on mute, Lisa. Thank you. 
Why would you seek to try another road, another person, or another place when you have learned the way the lesson starts, but do not yet perceive what it is for? Its purpose is the answer to search that all must undertake who still believe there is another answer to be found. Learn now, without despair, there is no hope of answer in this world, but do not judge the lesson that is but begun with this. Seek not another signpost in the world that seems to point to still another road. No longer look for hope where there is none. Make fast your learning now and understand you but waste time unless you go beyond what you have learned to what is yet to learn. For from this lowest point will learning lead to heights of happiness in which you see the purpose of the lesson shining clear and perfectly within your learning grasp. Who would be willing to be turned away from all the roadways of the world unless he understood their real futility? Is it not needful that he should begin with this to seek another way instead? For while he sees a choice where there is none, what power of decision can he use? The great release of power must begin with learning where it really has a use. And what decision has power if it be applied in situations without choice? The learning that the world can offer but one choice, no matter what its form may be, is the beginning of acceptance that there is a real alternative instead. To fight against this step is to defeat your purpose here. You did not come to learn to find a road the world does not contain. The search for different pathways in the world is but the search for different forms of truth, and this would keep the truth from being reached. Think not that happiness is ever found by following a road away from it. This makes no sense and cannot be the way. To you who seem to find this course to be too difficult to learn, let me repeat that to achieve a goal, you must proceed in its direction, not away from it. And every road that leads the other way will not advance the purpose to be found. If this be difficult to understand, then is this course impossible to learn, but only then, for otherwise, it is a simple teaching in the obvious. <laughs> there is a choice that you have power to make when you have seen the real alternatives. Until that point is reached, you have no choice and you can but decide how you would choose the better to deceive yourself again. This course attempts to teach no more than that the power of decision cannot lie in choosing different forms of what is still the same illusion and the same mistake. All choices in the world depend on this. You choose between your brother and yourself, and you will gain as much as he will lose, and what you lose is what is given him. How utterly opposed to truth is this, when all the lesson's purpose is to teach that what your brother loses, you have lost, and what he gains is what is given you. Alrighty. Thanks, everybody. Um, opening meditation, today's lesson, 223. 
Lesson 223, God is my life. It's on page 403, page 403 in the workbook. God is my life. I have no life but his. Lynn Corona, you want to read that and we'll get quiet for a little bit, please. God, excuse me. God is my life. I have no life but his. I was mistaken when I thought I lived apart from God, a separate entity that moved in isolation, unattached and housed within a body. Now I know my life is God's. I have no other home. I do not exist apart from him. He has no thoughts that are not part of me, and I have none but those which are of him. Our Father, let us see the face of Christ instead of our mistakes. For we who are your holy son are sinless. We would look upon our sinlessness, for guilt proclaims that we are not your son and we would not forget you longer. We are lonely here and long for heaven where we are at home. Today we would return. Our name is yours and we acknowledge that we are your son. Thanks, we'll get quiet for a little bit. I'll bring us out. And gently, gently come back. There's a, it was an interesting, uh, somewhat unusual series that Stephen King wrote uh, about um, the tower, the gunslinger. And then there was sort of a order of samurai in that series, warriors. And one of the mantras they would always say when they got out of balance, when they got off kilter, when they kind of lost their center of gravity, they would say, I, I have forgotten the face of my father. In this case, certainly in this lesson, you know, I've forgotten the face of Christ. In the next lesson, he actually says, um, I have forgotten the name of my father. We'll do that as a closing later, but uh, the, the gist of it is, is we've forgotten who we are <laughs> and we've forgotten our relationship to our father. It's still a done deal. It's still intact. And we didn't just accidentally forget it. <laughs> we forgot it on purpose. You know, we pushed it out of our awareness and then we blamed our preoccupation with all the drama um, in the world and all the stuff we go through every day. We said, well, yeah, I'm too busy to remember that. 
I'm too busy to remember my identity. And so when we talk about the real alternative, um, we're talking about that, going back to that. The real alternative is always remembering the face of Christ, remembering the face of my father, remembering who I am in relationship to my father. I mean, that's the real choice. Not all these choices we make in the world. Yeah, we do that. <laughs> it's part of our classroom. We just make those choices. But if we do it without remembering the face of our father, that's what gets us into trouble. That's what leads us into hell. It has to be hell then. We've thrown God out the window. We've thrown, we've thrown our own identity out the window. So the real alternative is always, you know, am I this thing running around in the world and uh, making all these crazy choices? Or am I still the son of God? And all the choices I make really don't make a difference. The central message that this course attempts to teach is that there is no world. Worse, there is no me. <laughs> No, no individualized me. We have forgotten the face of our father. So I really like that line. <laughs> Just in, in a, it made a movie about it. Idris Alba, one of my favorite actors, is in it. <laughs> he plays the gunslinger. Um, and, and it opens with that scene with him saying, as he's in the middle of this battle, <laughs> I have forgotten the face of my father. Or I will not forget the face of my father, because that's what gets me into trouble. Not the battle itself, not pushing the rock up the hill itself, but it's when I've forgotten who I am. Truly, I'm not this thing pushing a rock up a hill. Day after day after day after day. So let's look at the little book. <laughs> I'm on page 116. Uh, we're going to cover... Uh, Mostly paragraphs six, seven, and eight, uh, page 116, and from futility to happiness. And let's see where we left off. Abe, you want to read uh, that first few paragraphs, please? Can you help me find that I'm on Kindle? Oh, so I don't know, God. Can you read like the first sentence and I can type it? Okay, so the learning that the world can <laughs> offer, this is in bold, the learning that the world can offer, uh, paragraph six, line one. And it's in, uh, it's in chapter nine, the real alternative. So the learning of the world can offer? Yeah. No, it's not coming up. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. So, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how this breaks down. It's in chapter... Hey. Dave, I think is is page sixty five in the Kindle edition. In the Kindle, uh, let's see yeah. here. Sixty five. See. No, it's not. You know, I it probably because my my fonts are different sizes. Probably on a different page. Uh, all right, we'll come back to you when you. Find okay. It. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> please, Suzanne, do you have this book? You don't, okay. I can read lips now. <laughs> I've been on this a long time. <laughs> That's good. I got it. Okay, no problem. Well, since I think Osmani has it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Osmani, you want to read? Please. All right. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes, okay. Uh, the learning that the world can offer but one choice. 
No matter what is form might be, it is the beginning of acceptance that there is a real alternative instead. The real alternatives lie between choosing the ego or Holy Spirit, choosing to remain in the dream and act within, or choosing to stand back and watch ourselves as dream figures. This alone is a meaningful choice. Shall I continue? Oh, one more. Okay. Uh, to fight against this step to defeat your purpose here. Our purpose here is to learn that there is a real alternative. There is a mind that chooses, and we are the dreamer of the dream and not the dream figure. Given the disastrous consequences, fighting this learning is simply silly. Comments, Thank you. Asmani. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I just I love when when the course says that we have a real alternative that we can actually choose and 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 put the responsibility for for um, decisions in in our side. So I, I really love knowing at the beginning I fight with with idea a lot, but now I love to see that and to know that I. I decide what I see, I decide what, you know, what I want to happen in my life. So it's, it's lovely. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks, Osmani. Your signal is coming and going, but we got the gist. <laughs> yeah. So oh, sorry about that. That's all right. Well, I mean, just that it works at all from Spain is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, I like when Ken says, given the, as the disastrous consequences. That's what happens when I forget the face of my father. It's disastrous. <laughs> it can't be but hell. <laughs> That's the alternative. Do I want hell or heaven? Not, not do I want chocolate or vanilla? Not do I want, you know, Cheerios or Wheaties? The choice is always, do I, I want to remember the face of my father or not? Otherwise, it's disastrous. <laughs> we were uh, we had dinner last night with our friend, Bob Rye, who's been in the course forever, <laughs> almost as long as God. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was, we were talking about, you know, like we're all getting ready next 20, 30 years, we're gonna, all going to kick the proverbial bucket. And and I was thinking what, uh, you know, do I really want to take the psychological self with me? <laughs> you know, I want to keep pushing the rock up the hill forever and ever. Now, we don't escape from pushing that rock and believing in that rock until we let go of, of and until we let go of this identity and we remember our true identity. We remember the face of our true Christ self. And we don't do that when we die. <laughs> so it's a good, pretty good chance I'm going to take I'm going to be dragging along a whole bucket full of guilt if I don't let go of that guilt before I die. In, in, uh, in Ken's seminar, giant seminar on, on death and dying, he said, in, in some ways, the course is helping us to prepare to die well, meaning not drag all this guilt with us. And the way we start doing that is by not dragging the guilt with us right this second, right this moment. That's the way we prepare for a good death. That's the way we prefer, prepare for the next moment is we don't drag the guilt with us this moment. 
we let go of identifying with the poor Sisyphus pushing that thing up the hill. Still push it, <laughs> still do what we do every day, still make the choices we make, but we know it's a dream then. We're willing to realize that, you know, I don't have to be crazed about all my decisions. I don't have to be blaming everybody else for the decisions I'm making that are based on this separate identity that feels very vulnerable and very victimized by the world I see. Very victimized by the rock I have to push up the hill every day. Thank God we're not that identity. Thank God in this moment, I don't have to drag that psychological self. That's the rock. We're just pushing our, this identity up the hill every day. Mm. Uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. It's not who we are. It's, it's not what we are. And we don't have to blame it <laughs> on, on the gods. We don't have to blame it on Jesus. We don't have to blame it on anybody, even ourselves, because it, it's all made up. It's just a dream that we're having. And with Jesus's help in any given moment, I can wake up to that. I can remember the face of my Christ self that I share with Jesus. It's the same face. And we can do it right now, right this second. It's the only time we can do it. We can't do it tomorrow. Tomorrow ain't here yet. Can't do it yesterday. Yesterday's gone. The only time we can do any of this stuff is right now, right here. On the screen. <laughs> Watch everybody go poof. <laughs> That's what happens when somebody's screen goes out. They went poof for a little while. So that's what we're trying to do. Go poof for a little while. Poof, poof in the sense of a good sense, not, not like, oh no, oblivion. But in, in re-identifying with we're all still okay, no matter what's happening in our day. Yeah, very good. Abe, did you ever find that page? I did, I did. Oh, oh yeah. gosh, God. <laughs> you want to read? Sure. <laughs> All right. Let's see, you did not come to learn to find a road the world does not contain. The search for different pathways in the world is but the search for different forms of truth. And this would keep the truth from being reached. We find in these statements echoes of the first law of chaos, which states that not, not only is there a hierarchy of illusions, but also that truth is relative. Yet how can that be? We may know truth in different ways, but there remains only the oneness of truth. As in the famous Hindu statement, truth is one. The sages know it by many names. There are not many truths because there is no truth in the world of illusion. This, is the, this then is the only true statement one can make about the world. No truth exists here. For an illusion cannot express reality. Keep going. Uh, no, you want to fight with that one, Abe? You, you want to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the the idea that uh, that you know we are usually uh, searching for rel relative truth, and we keep thinking that you know I just need to search a little more, and I'll find a different set of truth that will make me happy, and just keep doing this and doing this, that, that is a trap that, you know, I know I, I fall into every day, um, but um, occasionally I'm beginning to remember not to do it. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I like that call, like idea of, of calling special love relationships. I have to find my special truth. <laughs> the truth of the day, truth du jour. <laughs> What's the truth of the day? What's going to make me feel better today? <laughs> what special love can I, I chase that's going to give me a little bit of whatever, so-called peace and happiness for a few seconds anyway? Not that that's bad. It's just really empty. And it keeps reinforcing my identity in a not self. Yeah, you know, one thing I, I saw the other day, a, uh, one of those uh, uh, allegories also about somebody climbing a mountain. And then when he, you know, with, with a lot of effort, when he gets to the top of the mountain, he realizes that the people on his mountain are not very happy. But then there's another, this other mountain where he, they seem to be happy. So he thinks that he's now in the wrong mountain. So I think Sisyphus did that too. Normally was he pushing the rock up. But then he, even if he got there, he probably would have said, oh, I'm on the wrong mountain. Wrong mountain. <laughs> I've known mountain climbers that, that climbed what they thought was the big one. And they got to the top and realized the big one was over there. <laughs> I mean that happens. <laughs> oh my God, what a what a bummer! <laughs> Go ahead, Bruce. I, that reminds me of the metaphor that I like. It's like we're, we're climbing, we're all climbing Everest, but you know we've got the the pitons and the carabiners and all the all the mountaineering gear and and our team of Sherpas and you know the whole the whole nine yards. But we look over to the side and Jesus is in this climate controlled. Uh, escalator you know <laughs> and just kind of hey over here over here you know I, I, we can do this easier <laughs> I don't have a good image of escalators from four years ago <laughs> yeah okay well maybe maybe this will supplant Wrong that image. So we'll, we'll, we'll supplant that but he's, he's going up the escalator so, so maybe that'll, that'll reverse it right my problem but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did also have a comment on on the the, the last sentence in the, in the lesson uh, 223 for today. Um, it says, our name is yours and we acknowledge that we are your son. I, I just, it just kind of clicked for me. It's that's a perfect move from duality to non-duality. We, you know, the plural of what we think we are, are your singular one mm. son. Yeah. Mm. I just, I'd never really noticed that before, but I thought, wow, that's everywhere in the course. It's basically leading us gently and inexorably to that pure non-dual identity that we all share. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I guess there, you know, there's places in the course where he uses plural sons of God and, and it'd be interesting to see which he uses more. I'm sure he uses probably singular son of God more. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks, Abe. Maya, you want to read a little? Sure. All right. Let's see, where are we? I don't seven, know. Seven three on page one nineteen. Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Seven one seven one on page one eighteen. Great. Okay. okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Think not that happiness is ever found by following a road away from it. This makes no sense and cannot be the way. Happiness can be found only in its home in the right mind. Therefore, as long as we devote our attention to external situations, to the extent to which we lose our power over it, we know something is wrong. 
When we are right-minded, no energy is invested in the world. Love being extended through us requires no effort on our part. It is only when we resist this love that we rely on our own power. And this is effortful. If we struggle, if there is tension or anxiety, regardless of what we do, we know we've been listening to the ego. If Sisyphus is now happy, it is because he is pushing the rock effortlessly. No matter its heaviness and his weakness in comparison, he would not experience true effort. He would be at peace at the beginning. On the way up, and while watching the rock roll down the mountain, hmm. he will have realized that what makes a difference is with whom he is doing the pushing. One more. Yeah, one more. One more. Finish that up, sure. As Jesus tells us repeatedly, we always choose between our weakness and the strength of Christ in us. The world calls the ego's weakness strength. Look at the mighty things I have accomplished, the wonderful things I do, how hard I work, <laughs> the people I help, <laughs> the wise things I say and write. The and, si and sing. <laughs> That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Couldn't help. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't stop singing, please. <laughs> I is the clue there is a problem for it means it is only the ego that speaks mm. yeah we we get lots of clues and certainly uh i i i i i is a really strong clue <laughs> who's, who's who's doing the talking yeah it's um it's, it's wonderful when I can't remember that Jesus is still there. The Holy Spirit is still there because the I, little me, mini me, <laughs> would, have me would have me think I can do it by myself. Do you think Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield was a course student? I get no respect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All righty. Thanks, Maya. Bruce? Yeah, I, along those lines, I think Jesus has got to be the most benevolent version of a Rodney Dangerfield or a Don Rickles imaginable, with, especially with this next sentence. You know, it's like kind of like course, course for Dummies that we see. He's kind of like, to you who seem to find this course to be too difficult to learn, let me repeat that to achieve a goal, you must proceed in its direction, not away from it. I don't know. I just, I just find it hilarious. Yeah. You might as well keep on reading, Bruce. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if our goal is, unless Stephen had something he wanted to interject there, right? Oh, oh uh, yeah. It was about what you said about uh, we and, and uh, son of God and also, Maya, well, she, no pronouns in heaven, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. Just one big it in heaven, IT. <laughs> the IT department. Aris <laughs> has something, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. When This whole thing reminds me of uh, the I or being upset and all this. 
is I, I, when I say I, I feel now like I do take shape, you know, um, I, I, I have a form and it's very rigid and it's, and it can be hurt, you know, I, I, and things can bounce off of me. And I've just been feeling that lately. The ego is, is definitely standing very rigid and daring almost people to, to plow into me. And when I don't take shape, it just feels so different. You know, I, I kind of merge with, with more that's around me and with everyone. And I just wanted to share that. <laughs> I was at an Al-Anon meeting yesterday. It reminded me of it. Um, and we were talking about resentment. <laughs> great, great Al-Anon talk, topic. <laughs> and uh, and the, the gist of it being, you can't stand in line in a food store without some awareness of, you know, it, if we've forgotten the face of Christ and we're standing in a line anywhere at a food store, in a bank, on the highway, we have to be waiting or looking for insults, injuries, <laughs> expecting it and, you know, and making it happen. I mean, we will. It's a resentment in the making. It's not a resentment waiting to happen. It's a resentment in the in the making. I'll get upset about something if I'm standing in a food line without awareness of who you are and who I am. It's just a done deal. I will be that I informed, just just daring, waiting, making it up as I go that you are attacking. I have to. That's the, that what that's what keeps this whole separated I thing going, is the attack. Yeah, you know, it's like we're we become a target. We make ourselves a big target with <laughs> all these circles, and we're you know it really is. Uh, we're we're so aware of who of ourselves as an individual, as separate from other people. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. Thanks, Arise. Yeah, the, the Gary Larson cartoon where the one deer is talking to another deer and they're standing upright and the one deer has a, a big target on it on his stomach. That's a natural and, and, and the other deer is saying, bummer of a birthmark. <laughs> like we're all targets. <laughs> what a bummer. <laughs> we're all walking around bummers of a birthmark <laughs> with a target painted on our head. <laughs> yeah. Really? Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Where was it? Oh, Bruce. Oh, Maya's got something. Go ahead. I was going to suggest, uh, along with the topic, the real alternative, uh, Tim, why, why don't you consider taking a day in the park in the grocery store line? <laughs> yeah, right. That's good. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I, I'm going over. I, I decorate the park bench with flowers now. I got a little altar set up there. <laughs> it was like when I was reading about, I don't know if it was Thomas Merton, somebody had like this golden real world experience on a street corner. And, you know, my first impulse was, oh, I got to get to that street corner so I can have that. <laughs> I got to go find this place in Kentucky where he stood on a street corner and he had, you know, suddenly he could see the heavens open up. But yeah, we're always trying to, you know, make make uh, <laughs> make this a special thing, make this a special place, make this a special moment, and not realize, of course, that we can do it. And the only time we can do it is always right now, wherever we're at, is a special place, is the special moment. Yeah, 
That's good. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Go ahead, Bruce. Okay. I, I was just going to say th thank you for the Gary Larson, because I was just about to say that if you didn't. <laughs> it's one of my favorites as well. And, th and then uh, I think Dave actually found the street corner the other day. He, he had, the, had the coordinates, if I recall, at, the, at least the street names anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's looking yeah, at me. Right so I remember the street card? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll go ahead and read. Okay. Okay. I, I love this sentence so much. I'll read it again. To you who seem to find this course to be too difficult to learn, let me repeat that to achieve a goal, you must proceed in its direction, not away from it. <laughs> Ken says, if our goal is peace, we can only find it by going toward it, which means returning to the mind. If, on the other hand, the goal is to defend against peace, resisting it by indulging our specialness and reinforcing our separate identities, we will proceed in the direction of the world and body. We first decide our goal and then choose the teacher who will lead us to it. If, therefore, our goal is peace and the, quote, judges in Hades, unquote, condemn us to a Sisyphean fate as justified punishment for our misdeeds, we will nonetheless see this means, see this as means to achieve our end. No matter what we do, vision sees the situation as the way to remember the power that the power of decision rests within the mind, and we do not interpret the external as punishment for sin. As the workbook says, quote, I could see peace instead of this, unquote. Lesson 34. We can be peaceful instead of being resentful and despairing. The choice is ours, and this is the lesson. Should we read the next one, too? Oh, uh, no, that's good. That's a mouthful. Oh, oh, that is. That is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very good. Hmm. All wasn't only about the mind, huh? Earlier, I was, uh, I was remembering... Um, Movies that I've seen, certainly Groundhog Day being the, the probably the top movie of all, where we get caught in a time loop and we're always, they, they play it out, literally pushing the same rock up the hill over and over again. And certainly Groundhog Day with Bill, Bill Murray was the, uh, probably the ultimate of that. Yeah. <laughs> there are a whole bunch of other ones too. that Some of them are pretty violent, <laughs> kind of gory, you know, sci-fi stuff. But still, the, the idea is until we let go of identifying ourselves as a victim it's pretty much the same message in all those stories we're going to be caught in that time loop we're going to be caught reinforcing like Arise was saying always we have to have this target painted on our heads and we have to feel like a victim and that becomes our our recurring identity <laughs> It's almost like the rock we're pushing up the hill is, is a giant target. Please hit this rock. Please hit this target. Hmm. Yeah. Abe? I was thinking about the earlier message that, uh, you know, we, uh, we, if we want to go to peace, we should not walk away from it. Uh, you know, and that, that message is true in, in a flat earth. But in a glow, in a sphere, it doesn't matter where you start. You're always moving. You can be moving away for a while, but if you keep going on that same uh, great uh, pathway, you will eventually come around and, and come back to it. So you know, I think in that sense, uh, that, you know, Jesus and, and 
and the Holy Spirit helping us. Because it doesn't matter what we do, we will always find the way that we need to be at. Mm-hmm. And in, in that sense, the, the recurring theme, the recurring rock, every morning I brush my teeth, every morning, you know, I, I take you know, a, a shower or whatever, every, every day I do this, every day I do that. Then the recurring theme, you know, it becomes a metaphor for every day I am the son of God. I mean, it's, you know, it's just who am I reading the story with? Yeah, and in a sense, you know, I mean, it becomes a metaphor for, yeah, I'm still the son of God no matter what I'm doing. Not, not I'm not the son of God because of look what's happening to me. But it's the same story. It's the same rock. It's the same, you know, it's the same form. We're just reinterpreting it with a different teacher. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Steven? Yes, it's not just Jesus. Uh, Winnie, Winnie the Pooh says the same thing. I, I get to where I'm going by walking away from where I've been. Ooh, 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 I need a new teacher. Jesus gets old sometimes. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. That, you know, and this, you know, we, we turn away from this and, and we go this way. <laughs> and then, you know, otherwise we're going this way to the wrong mind. And then rather than realize this is what we did, this was the wrong way. Then we project all this onto the world and we think there's a whole bunch of other ways. That's why I always have to step back internally and realize the real alternative, the moving from one road to another is this one, not all the roads in the world that just reflect this, all this stuff happening here simply reflects my choice, like Ken was saying, of teachers in my mind. This is going to be Winnie the Pooh or, or my ego. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> all right. Gene, I forgot. Do you have a book? Yeah, you got one of these little guys? Oh, yeah. All right. You want to read some, Gene? Okay. Importantly, this approach does not make us passive in the world nor does it mean that we do nothing here. It means only that we are passive to the ego and active to the Holy Spirit. We may indeed be quite active behaviorally if love so guides us, but we will no longer experience ourselves as the actors being but vehicles through whom love flows. It is therefore not we who are the doers. Thus, there will be, again, no effort, fatigue, or investment in the outcome. No high when something we judge as good happens, or low if something we judge as bad happens. Everything will be perceived as the same. Recall the New Year's prayer from the text. Make this year different by making it all the same. We make every relationship situation and world event the same in terms of our response, a quiet calm. If there is no hierarchy of illusions, there can be no hierarchy of responses. If we listen to the Holy Spirit, we will only feel happy and be at peace. If we listen to the ego, we will only feel miserable and then to try to make others miserable as well, holding them responsible for our unhappiness. This could include A Course in Miracles itself, which we would be tempted to blame 
for our own inability to learn it. You never blamed the course, did you, Gene? <laughs> <laughs> but what I think is so interesting today, because um, it really is, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it, it's so simple. I am either listening to the ego, and then what happens for me, you know, I, I become emotionally awful. And, and, and then I just get ensconced in that. It's kind of just, a, it's, you know, it's, it's a, just a falling down the hill, but just to, just to keep remembering, you know, it, it is so simple, but I really, really can complicate it, which keeps me so ego-driven. Oh, it's just, and so this is really good to read today because I feel lifted. I really do. Yeah. I, I was thinking in the, in, in the way we get caught up in that, and that once we get caught up in the drama, it feels like a, a rock rolling down the hill. I mean, it, it just feels like it's out of control. The story just keeps getting bigger. I keep justifying it more. Um, I keep finding more bad guys. I get people to agree with me. And it just seems like it takes on a life that just is going downhill. And what Jesus is trying to get us to look at is it, it's just a rock going uphill. And we have to that effort it takes to maintain that story. I mean, it feels like it, you know, it's like it's out of control and it is, but it, it's only out of control because we forgot who we were and we forgot who all the characters in the drama were, are truly. And so, I mean, in order to maintain that, we really have to be pushing with a lot of effort, this story up the hill. Just to stop pushing that story is, is, is such a relief. Yeah, thanks, Jean. Uh, Suzanne, then Arise, please. Just quickly, that reminds of myself in this situation. Prior to reading A Course in Miracles, I always kind of described myself, I thought of myself as a pinball in a pinball machine, just getting pushed around so randomly. And I pushed back harder because I was being pushed, not knowing there was another way, taking myself out of the game. I didn't know there was an alternative, and I always felt like I was just being pushed around like that. Yeah, that's an that's another great image. Besides the rock up the old pinball machine, the ball in the in the machine. Yeah, it's good. Thanks, Suzanne. Maurice. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know how people have described having out of body experiences, and they're in surgery or something, and they float above their body and look. And uh, I was thinking, that's what a what we need to do with ourselves as, as Sisyphus. I, I mean, to begin to float above it and just watch ourselves doing this. Um, like you say, the course says it's not about our behavior anyway, or uh, our feelings or anything. So if we can float above and just peacefully watch ourselves going through our dramas up and down the hill, um, somehow i think that's part of the message it's it's not to stop well we know we're not supposed to try to stop stop the rock but we just have to watch ourselves and see how silly we are and uh you know not be so how am i going to get out of this kind of feelings yeah jesus uses that word overlook a lot and it doesn't mean an overlook in the traditional sense that we think of it like, oh, I, I'll ignore that and I'll look at something else. I'll overlook that you're a jerk. <laughs> I, I'll just ignore it. <laughs> and then I'll look at something else. No, overlook is when we rise above the, 
the pinball game and we look down on it and we realize we're not the pinball, even though the pinball is still in there <laughs> rolling all around. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Thanks. Bruce. I, I was just going to say in, in Suzanne's example, then we become, we all become the pinball wizard instead of the pinball. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, and then, uh, you know, we're no longer the, the dung, the dung beetle or, or the, the dung being pushed up the hill to, to parallel Sisyphus Smith. So, yeah. <laughs> I knew the who were course students. I knew it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we're all course students. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Lynn Corona, you want to read a little, please? Sure. Um, which? I think it's seven four, I think. Seven four? All right. I think. And every road that leads the other way will not advance the purpose to be found. If we say we want to be peaceful, yet keep looking for Jesus to fix our world, and bodies, we will continually be frustrated for we will have chosen a means that can never take us to the end. Two parallel sections in the text, the consistency of means and end and setting the goal help us see that if we truly desire peace, we will see everything that happens regardless of how the world judges it as a means of helping us achieve our goal. We will have learned that neither salvation nor distress comes from outside, only the mind's decision for Jesus or the ego. Want me to continue? Oh, that's good. Any comments on that one? Well, the the goal is everything. You know, what do we want? What, what, what do we want to come of this? Jesus says we should ask in every situation, what do I want to come of this? What is the outcome that I want? And then everything um, involved will be seen as a means to achieve that goal, regardless of what the, the form looks like. You know, it may in the process look uh, like, well, wait a minute, that's not a part of what I'm asking for. That's, that's not the goal I wanted to achieve. But still, if the goal is peace, if the goal is joy, then every, everything along the way will be seen as a means to that goal. Because we're talking about the mind here and not, not the form of things. So, yeah, it works. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you, uh, probably most of you, a lot of you were, were here yesterday at, at Lynn's class when, when a particular person on the screen didn't realize he was on video and he's running around in his underwear or something. <laughs> it's probably good to remember that, you know, people can see you, you know, you forget it if you have it on speaker view and you think, you know, you can see the speaker, but you can't see, you know, they can't see you. Oh, yeah, we can. If it's on gallery view, we can see you running around. <laughs> and, and there's been a couple embarrassing moments like that. But once again, you know, what's the goal here? <laughs> if the goal is to like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, the process is going to be the same. It's like recommend that you don't do that. 
However, if you do it with Jesus, it becomes pretty funny. If you do it with the ego, it can get pretty serious. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's just a lighter thing. And, you know, and then there's the seemingly serious stuff. Like yesterday at that Allen on me, there was a, a girl, a lady, uh, whose son in his 30s, in the last six months had been hit and killed, you know, on a street corner by a hit and run. And they caught the kid who did it, the kid who killed her kid. And she was having a real hard time with letting that go, to say the least, as any of us would. I mean, you know, there seems to be a definite hierarchy of like, you know, one, one is an embarrassing thing and one is my kid's dead. And once again, but the process is still the same. Am I looking at my son with Jesus? Am I looking at myself with Jesus? Am I looking at, especially at that other kid who killed my son with Jesus? Am I seeing that kid that killed my son the way Jesus is seeing him? Well, no, I don't want to. My son's gone. And is that true too, as Byron Cave would say? So, I mean, it, it, once we begin to look at all this stuff with Jesus, it becomes, is that true? Are we these bodies that can die? Are, are we these bodies that, that can be victimized and killed by other bodies? Not that, and once again, not that we don't deal with those, all that stuff appropriately in time and space in terms of law and classrooms and everything and roles and behavior, et cetera. But, it, you know, I can do it without judgment if even in dramatic, seemingly much more dramatic situations like that, if I ask Jesus for help. Help me see that this, this kid, my own son and the other kid, the way you do. Meaning he knows where there's still the son of God, no matter what they did or didn't do. He knows they're not bodies that can die. He knows that they can't be victimized. And he knows that about them. And, he, and Jesus knows that about us. So every situation we get in, there's a way out because of that. Thank God there's a way out. Otherwise, insanity would rule. You know, mm. yeah, for real. Bruce? Yeah, I, I was just thinking, regardless, kind of echoing what you just said, regardless of the atrocities that we encounter in the news or wherever, history books, whatever, the real atrocity the course keeps reminding us, which is our challenge as course students, is to realize that the only atrocity is what when I dreamt that murder was possible instead of love and that I'm still still choosing murder somehow by, by believing that separation happened. Yeah, thanks. And, and the bloodthirstiness of all that is, is my identity is based on murder. And the way I have to keep maintaining that identity is continually murdering in my mind, you know, or, or murder in the world, but I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. I mean, this, when we took ourselves out as, as the son of God, when I forgot who I was, basically it was an act of killing my, my own awareness of my identity. In order to maintain that awareness that I'm not the son of God and actually believe it, I have to see murder everywhere. I have to see victimization everywhere. I have to believe victimization is even possible. Once again, in time and space, deal with it appropriately. But, but I mean, just to feed that murder frenzy is crazy. That, that's the insanity. 
Especially if it's all made up. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah. Sakino, you want to read? Let's see if we hear the waves crashing on the beach. <laughs> there you go. Would this be too difficult to understand? Then is this course impossible to learn? But only then. For otherwise, it is a simple teaching in the obvious. This is Jesus' way of saying to us, please do not tell me this is a difficult course. Rather, it is a course to which you are very resistant, which is why it seems difficult. Therefore, it is not a course that, it is not a course in miracles that is the problem, but what you're doing with it. Resistance to the truth is difficult as is fighting against it. And so Jesus' words will mean nothing if we do not apply them to our current situations so that we can see the way we live ensures are not accepting the means he offers to reach the end which can only be due to our fear of that end. Being afraid of peace, we do not choose the road that will get us there. As a result, we resent our fate, as one can imagine Sisyphus doing, pointing to the fertility and hopelessness of a life that is not his doing. When, however, we rise above judgment to the level of vision, we embrace this life as a classroom, recognizing that this is how we learn our lessons. Thus, the means of forgiveness becomes bathed in light, as is our goal of truth. In the psychotherapy pamphlet, Jesus urges his therapist do the same thing, give up judgment. At this point, the room becomes a temple and the street a dream of stars. Did you remember that line from the psychotherapy pamphlet? I didn't remember it. <laughs> I, know. I, I haven't read this. Oh, you, no, I haven't read that yet. Oh, okay. Oh. I had a, um, an experience earlier this morning um, when I was in a, a doctor's office about to have a eye procedure. And when I walked into the facility uh, and this young lady met me at the, at the counter, for some reason, I just felt like she was sending darts my way. And I just felt like react, I felt, I felt like I was reacting, but trying not to. Um, like I was being attacked, but trying not to respond. And so 
the lessons the lessons today is um, is like it, I can I can see how um, how it's all of this is really true, and that everything else I believed before is not. It, it's, it's really amazing, and it, it's also showing me that where I thought, you know, none of this phased me in any way, it didn't really apply to me. I saw this morning that it did. Hmm. So she sent you bad thoughts first. I felt. Like she was, but I don't know. She wasn't. I think oh, she, I was sending them out to her and she was picking them up and sending them back. <laughs> mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's sending the worst bad thoughts of all? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. That's it. That's what it's all about. Yeah, thanks, Akina. Steven? Uh, yeah, I read a real short one from Wabnik uh, just the other day. Uh, seems to apply for me uh, as to what you just said, Sakina. Uh, he, he says, you don't have to tell people your feelings. They already know. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. That just made me shiver. <laughs> wow. All right. Very good. Lisa, you want to read? Lisa. Sure. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Everything then shifts. Sisyphus pushes his boulder up the mountain surrounded by stars and a radiant light. His face is joyful, not because the situation has changed, but because he has changed. He has not tried to change his situation by, for example, approaching the inhabitants of Hades to promote an insurrection against the gods and protests of their cruelty. If Sisyphus's revolt were to succeed, it is certain that the new rulers would be just as cruelly egocentric as the ones he overthrew, because he and his band of followers would not have taught the only lesson they truly wanted to learn. Nothing in the world has power to make them happy or unhappy. So does that mean I shouldn't vote? <laughs> well, he says earlier on that it's, it really doesn't, we, it doesn't mean that we do nothing in the world. I mean, right? So we still have to do stuff in the world. Although I find his, when I first read stuff like that, I always tend to think that, um, you know, the Sisyph you know, the, the course says, do nothing. We need to do nothing. And then he says, well, in the world, Kenneth Wapnick says, in the world does not mean we're impassive in the world. So we do have to do stuff in the world. But I find it annoying sometimes because it's like, wait, I thought the course said we need to do nothing. So I have to um, realize what he's saying, that the, the doing is in the mind. I mean, the the not doing is in the mind, not in the world. So yeah, right, right. So yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we could do a whole weekend seminars on "I need do nothing," and every word becomes a different. Yeah, like so, you start with "I." Which "I" are we talking about? Well, the "I" in the mind, the decision maker, it needs to do nothing because it has the Holy Spirit. 
But the eye in the world has to do all kinds of things. <laughs> exactly. I mean, all kinds of things. I mean, it's it's a it's an individual eye in the world that thinks it's a body. So respect, you know, respect the classroom. Don't don't not brush your teeth, for God's sake. <laughs> don't not eat what you think you should eat. Don't not exercise. Do what you do, but you know, like try not to take it so seriously. I need do nothing is in the mind. It's not about body stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I thought at first. And that's why yeah. he admitted everything yeah. he said. <laughs> Very sure. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Sakina. Yeah, I, I think for me, what I'm finally understanding is that, um, I'm, like Lisa, I, I was, you know, first at the beginning, I felt like, you know, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I should stop doing. But now I'm learning that I don't have to stop doing some things I thought I had to stop. It's just a matter of doing those same things with the Holy Spirit, including brushing my teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Ken, Ken was always really adamant. You, you know, you go to the doctor's office and you, you, you know, you can do a preemptive strike against the ego. You can like prepare yourself. I, I want to see the girl that's going to be at the reception the way Jesus sees it, you know, and just, gear that make that the goal like Lynn Corona was saying what's the goal here well yeah in time and space the goal is to go to the doctor's office and get better or whatever but no the goal from the point of view of the mind is I want to go into that situation if I want to be at peace and I want to see her the way Jesus does whether she's sending me bad thoughts or not <laughs> what's that got to do with anything what's that got to do with her what's that got to do with me as a son of God and I, I want to have that experience, you know, and so that that becomes the goal. Everything we do becomes that. Driving in traffic. I mean, look at all those opportunities to pray in traffic. Every car that goes by is an opportunity to pray. <laughs> God, help me see that guy the way you see him. The whole highway becomes full of light. We start doing like that. <laughs> it's a highway to heaven, not the highway to hell. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, thanks. All righty. Where are we? Lisa Roberts, you want to read? Please. I had a feeling you were going to call me. Okay. <laughs> All right. There is a choice that you have power to make when you have seen the real alternatives. Until that point is reached, you have no choice, and you can but decide how you would choose the better to deceive yourself again. This describes our, life, our lives. We keep trying to make things work or work better instead of first accepting where we are and trying to make our thought system better. When we have become right-minded, we will not see situations as capable of making us glad or sad. However, chances are that if there is no anger or guilt, our situation will probably change for the better and will certainly change in our experience for it will no longer be motivated by self-hatred or resentment. When hate is gone, all that remains is love. 
And only then can any behavioral intervention be truly caring and selfless. Yet when we focus on wanting to change the external instead of simply accepting where we and others are, nothing truly changes because we end up merely manipulating the form while the underlying thoughts of separation remain. We therefore need to continually focus on the power of our minds to choose not between illusions, but between illusions and truth. This is our only purpose here, summarized in this next line. Go ahead and read that one. <laughs> this course attempts to teach no more than the power of decision cannot lie in choosing different forms of what is still the same illusion and the same mistake. Stop Comments, there. Lisa? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, sure. You know, what this reminds me of is uh, just, just what you were just saying, Tim, you know, the preemptive strike. When you walk into any situation, a grocery store, for example, and you set your thinking, the right-minded thinking, uh, you're at the decision maker and your thoughts ahead of time are, I'm going to see every person I meet in this store from a place of love, from the same place that Jesus sees them. You know, you're already setting your goal to be love, to be truth, and uh, not illusion. And it, it reminds me also, this paragraph reminds me not to be invested in the outcome. Um, when I'm not invested in the outcome, uh, I'm not sad, I'm not glad, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I'm above the battleground, and I'm just looking down on a situation that uh, I have no investment in. And, and that releases me from uh, a, a heavy burden that I otherwise would be carrying uh, in my mind that I would want to see the outcome that I'm judging ahead of time what it should be. Uh, yeah. That's it, Tim. Thank you. Yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and I was thinking everything become in the store, all the people in the store for sure, become metaphors, symbols of love. But so does the can of beans. <laughs> you know, right. So does the gallon of milk. Everything we realize is just the son of God at its worst, pretending it's not the son of God. And at its best, it, you know, even though it's just pretending, it's still the son of God. We're still all the son of God pretending we're not the son of God. Yeah, you know, Tim, I for a while there, I would always go in the grocery store and I would take the cart that had the bum wheel on it. <laughs> it never failed. It was a bum wheel. It squeaked. It, the cart was off, you know. And and what I, I remember what Ken Watnick said was, you have to look at the specifics until you can generalize that it's all the same. And after about the third time of getting that cart with the bum wheel, <laughs> you know, I kind of laughed at it and it didn't matter. It, I was okay with it, whether it's a bum wheel or not. I didn't take it personally. You know, it was just one of those lessons that I had to learn. Thank you. Oh, that's good. Next time something goes wrong, I'm just going to say, bum wheel on the cart. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All righty. As a closing, I wanted to do uh, tomorrow's lesson. Once again, about um, forgetting gets us in trouble and remembering is the way out. 
forgetting the face of our father gets us in trouble. Remembering the face of our father is the way out of all this craziness. So Chris Jansen, you want to read lesson 224, please? Uh, and it's on page 403 in the workbook. Yes, thank you. Thanks. God is my father and he loves his son. My true identity is so secure, so lofty, sinless, glorious, and great, wholly beneficent and free from guilt, that heaven looks to it to give it light. It lights the world as well. It is the gift my father gave to me, the one as well I give to give the world. There is no gift but this that can be either given or received. This is reality, and only this. This is illusion's end. It is the truth. My name, O oh Father, still is known to you. I have forgotten it and do not know where I am going, who I am, or what it is I do. Remind me, Father, now, for I am weary of the world I see. Reveal what you would have me see instead. Very good. Thanks, Chris. We'll get quiet for a little while. I'll bring it out. I could hear Jesus saying, is saying a big yay, you guys. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks. Yay. Thank you. See you.